This week on Magnificently Huge, it's live music concerts. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Everybody likes music, but I don't think that everybody necessarily understands the magic of a concert. I'm not talking about a show either, where you go into a little theater and you see a band you like play their stripped down version of their music. No, I'm talking about when you go to a football arena and the band has to fill it with visuals and really loud music and it becomes a spectacle. It becomes a thing that you talk about because you got to be there and nobody else did. It's sort of the music geek's version of sports because, I don't know, I hate football. Anyway, wanted to talk about the concerts we've gone to, the concerts we brag about, and the concerts that are legendary. If I could have seen Pink Floyd The Wall when they were doing that in, what, the late 70s? Oh, that would be it. I wouldn't go to any concerts after that. That would that would sort of top my list of possible awesome things I could have ever seen. Uh, in this episode, we all talk about also what our first concerts were. And I'm not proud. I'm not proud. And we talk about the difference between shows and concerts. And, and you, you know what? Honestly, we do a lot of talking about ourselves. I really am not kidding. I want to hear what your first concert was, what your favorite concert was, what concert you brag about, what concert you wish you could have made. We're at MagHuge on Twitter, MagnificentlyHuge at Gmail if you want to email us. If you want to Google Magnificently Huge, you're going to find five or six different ways to get in touch with us, and we do want to talk to you. For this episode, also in the description, we have a link to a playlist on Spotify for, I hope it's Spotify. Brian told me there was a playlist. I'm assuming it's Spotify, but you'll know better than I do right now because there's a link to it in our description. Go find the link, click on it, listen to some live music that we talk about in this show, and please tell us what concerts you've gone to that are great. We want to know. We really want to know. We love it when our fans write us. That this podcast is taking off is really rather mind-blowing to me. So I always love hearing from you guys. So let us know. And enjoy our show already in progress on digital audio files. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Eric. I'm joined here by... Count it off. I'm Brian. And, And this is Chris over here. And together we're the Magnificently Huge Podcast. So how are you guys doing this week? Nobody cares. Amazing. Let's go to the fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. That is fresh. This stuff is fresh. Oh, you, oh. Did that. you did that before. I did? I got suckered again. <laughs> Man. I gotta come up with new bits. Well, it's true, though. Nobody, nobody cares. Nobody. Oh, yeah. So It's cares. true. So, Brian... What you been up to? What you been enjoying? What media have you been partaking of? Oh, is this, what is this? Is this fresh this shit? Is, 
This is the fresh. He said fresh shit. Do we we had to the bumper and everything. This every week. Do you, <laughs> yes. do you ever listen to the podcast? No. <laughs> Eric kind of crackles in and out of my earpiece, and so sometimes I just assume he hasn't said anything. <laughs> oh, are you not hearing me? So what? I'm hearing you fine. Yeah, no. you're fine. Chris is a jackass. <laughs> anyway, I don't have a lot of fresh shit. I got a couple of things. First of all, uh, yesterday, apparently, it was announced that somehow CBS All Access has got Patrick Stewart I read back this. as John Luke Picard for a new Star Trek series. Oh my I God. wondered if you saw that. Yeah, I just read that today. Yeah, I don't know. Star Trek The Degeneration or... How old is he? Know. He's got to be like pushing 80, right? Yeah, how many, yeah. How, many series, how many more seasons can they get out of him? As I many know, as they but- want. He's half Borg, you know, so they can really do whatever they want. <laughs> I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. But if you get a chance to check out Blunt Talk, the show he did on one of oh, those networks yes. nobody watches, like I Stars, very funny. <laughs> well, he's Patrick Stewart making show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I read that headline and I thought, oh, was that the sound of Brian's head exploding? That was amazing. <laughs> I mean, the the one thing I like about it is that that means that in some way, shape, or form, they're interested in keeping the next generation timeline alive in Star Trek, which is interesting to me. Unless it's uh, it's more of that 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 side timeline thing, and 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 this is what he's doing <laughs> in the other. Oh fuck! I don't even. Well, know what I'm talking and that's about the thing anymore. that sucks is like the showrunner is Kurtzman. Who's one of those J.J. Abrams guys? He's the conspiracy nut guy that's taken over Star Trek, and he just sucks. Oh. Uh, so he's still involved. So it's probably going to be shit. The conspiracy nut guy? What's that mean? Oh, like one of the guys that was the writers for uh, Transformers and all these other movies that are terrible. Um, not not Bob Borky, but the other one, Kurtzman. Right. Yeah, he's he's a wackadoo. Oh. And he's one of the people responsible for that Star Trek Into Darkness garbage oh uh and he's I'm basically you, running trek now and well, that, he sucks into darkness kind of grows on you like a fungus if you watch it enough. no though. it really doesn't <laughs> okay it's terrible well it, it, i'd rather watch star trek 5 but brian he is khan my name is khan <laughs> don't you get it uh, yeah we got it Khan. <laughs> so, I did go to a movie this week. Yeah, you did, because that's what you do. I do, and this week, I went and saw Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Oh. Which is much better than it had any right to be. It's funny. Have you ever watched the show? No. Neither have I. I watched the show. <laughs> I had no context going into it. I guess my, you know, Jolene had watched it with her kids. So she, like, wanted to go. It was a piss take on all superheroes, and it was hilarious. I mean, mean, I've seen the trailer where they're making fun of Batman, like, running behind them or something, and then they crack wise about all of the various Batman titles or something. (laughs) Oh, yeah, like, the the new Batman movie is called Batman Again in this movie. (laughs) It's it's a movie about how the Teen Titans want to have a movie, but no one wants to make a movie about them because they're sidekicks. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of movie that has 
a song called Upbeat Inspirational Song About Life, sung by Michael Bolton, who voices a pastel tiger with a guitar that gets run over by a car. It's that kind of movie. Nicolas Cage is the voice of Superman awesome. in this movie. Finally. Finally. Yes. Okay. They um, know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. At one point, they do a whole Back to the Future thing where they decide to undo the origin stories of every major superhero. Um, <laughs> and they, they have a great take on the, the Bruce Wayne's parents' death, and the way they defeat Aquaman's origin story is they drop one of those plastic rings that holds a six-pack of cans together in the water, and it ties up <laughs> baby Aquaman. <laughs> Um, so so it's topical. It's it's a, it's fun. I if, when it hits Netflix or Hulu, you should watch it. Okay. I think you'd laugh. Yeah, Are you going to run out now and, and watch the TV show? No. Okay. But the the last <laughs> okay. line of the movie is it, they give Robin this great kicker to the to the movie because um, I'm going to go ahead and spoil this because you're not going to watch it. Um, it's true. They're they're at the end of the movie and he's he's done the like kid TV show thing where he's kind of trying to say, you know, and the moral of the story is, and then he tries to start another moral, and all the characters are like, stop it, and he's like, no, we need to, we need to be topical, and we need to be educational, we need to give the kids something to talk to their parents about on the way home from the movie, and everyone just shuts him <laughs> down, and so, like, Robin jumps up and grabs the camera and goes, kids, ask your parents where babies come from! <laughs> End of movie. <laughs> oh, those dicks. Uh. Yeah. So and and they do like every animation style. Like they do a a sequence that's like the style of the Batman animated series and they do one that's like stop motion crafts and it and they do the the 80s Lisa Frank Care Bears looking thing is when the Michael Bolton song is on. It it's it's pretty fun. I like their theme song as well. I've heard that. I think it's I don't know if it's Shonen Knife or it's something similar. Uh but that's all I know about that show. Well, you will hear it like three times if you okay. watch this movie. Okay. Yep. I'm going to run right out and see it right after I see the spy who dumped me. You know, I didn't go to the Spy Who Dumped Me. I went to Teen Titans. I am shocked. I was totally expecting you to go see the McKinnon movie. Uh, <laughs> damn it! Uh, it was. It was like, okay, are we going to see Teen Titans, the Spy Who Dumped Me, or Christopher Robin? Teen Titans. <laughs> well, that's a that tough was, call, man. That was our decision making. That right there is the definition of the dog days of August. Oof. You know, I probably would have gone and seen The Spy Who Dumped Me had Mission Impossible not been last week, and I really didn't want to see a crappy spy movie after watching Mission Impossible. I think you should go see it and tell us how it is, because I read in like a New Yorker blurb for the reviews, and they say that the the last act, action-wise, is par for par, almost as good, if not better, than Mission Impossible Fallout. That was the exact through, No, that's the exact through line that the New Yorker did. I don't. So I'm you. interested. I'm intrigued. <laughs> There's no way. The end of Mission Impossible is really good. 
If they're citing mission, end of Mission Impossible as like the greatest action sequence ever, then I can only be disappointed, right? I mean, if everyone's already talking about it, it's like when people <laughs> I don't know said, about yeah, the greatest you, ever, but it's a really solid action sequence at the end of Mission but Impossible. But let's be real, Eric will be disappointed in it, so... Well, yeah. I think we can just uh, just get that out of the way. So, All right. Because yeah. I'm so contrary, right? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, no, you're not. Eric, there's, I, I, I will say this. If you see the end of uh, the new Mission Impossible, you will find the final bit with the villain very satisfying. I believe it. Oh, all right. Challenge. Maybe I, anyway, that, yeah, maybe the, I need to see this thing. Yeah, maybe. That's all the fresh shit that I've got. What do you got, Chris? Uh, I, too, have very little because I've still been watching the Venture Brothers season by season, mm. uh, which we're hit halfway through season three, and the new season actually starts tonight. Fresh. Uh, but we're not going to watch it because we're playing catch-up. Mm. But uh, it's still still fun, still amazing, and uh, it's still blowing my mind. After the, the last time you talked about it, I, I went back to Archer. And you're right. That is fun, that, that timeline gag. Yeah. They're good. They're good. Yeah. So cartoons are probably some of the best things being written right now. It's crazy. I think it's uh, something to do with when we were kids and... The cartoons to us were better than the grown-up shows, right? I mean, we're just sort of conditioned to cartoons. Could be. Could be. Uh, I think it's because the budgets are lower and people can take more risks. Yes. I think that, too. That would be, be a good shot. Uh, and speaking of which, the other thing that I found this week, and I was so delighted that I stumbled across it. It's on Amazon Prime, but they've got The Prisoner, which I haven't seen in forever in oh. a day. Get and out so of here, been, really? Yeah, go find it. Oh. Yeah, with with Magoon. Uh, so I've been watching that. I'm only like three or four episodes in, but uh, it's still flipping mind-blowing. I will not be pushed, amazing. filed, stamped, Same. indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. <laughs> I am a person. I am not a number. <laughs> I am a free man. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. The episode we watched last night, I think it's the third one, and... I I swear to God that it, it where Christopher Nolan got his idea for Inception because basically they take uh, number six Patrick McGowan's spy and they sort of drug him and then they have this process where they can invade his dreams and yeah. then they can try to extract information Ooh. from him and I'm going it's in, it's this Inception this okay. is exactly what Inception is okay as long as it's all free and you have access to it everyone listening if you're an Amazon member watch A B and C the episode A B and C yes. it completely predicts uh Facebook and Google uh predictive and analytics the whole show yeah. is about predictive analytics, and it it's, is fucking yeah. creepy. Because I remember yeah. watching that going, yeah, that, that does suck. Good thing that can't possibly happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wink, wink. Yeah. Uh, this is very important to me. It is only a commodity. No. It's my future. You belong to me now. You were told there is no return. So this is the part where I copped to never having watched The Prisoner. Well, then you need to get there too sweet and watch yourself some Prisoner. It's the best show ever. Yeah, but do it when nobody's home because it's the kind of thing where you're going to be like, you're going to have a weird feeling of having to defend watching this very weird psychedelic show. And yeah. you just need <laughs> to enjoy it on your own. That's all I can well, say. Well, the beauty of it is it's the whole thing is modeled on this weird Kafka-esque sort of mm. uh, motif. Let me give you basically, a, Mag 
I'm sorry, let me just give you the backstory. Patrick McGowan was in this show on the BBC, Secret Agent Man, for three seasons, or three series, as they do them. And yeah. for the fourth series, he said, I don't want to do that anymore. I've got this other idea. And they said, okay, do whatever you want. You're awesome. So he basically does a secret agent show, only it's about a secret agent who wants out and won't say why. And so they imprison him in this, well, town, village, uh, where they try and crack him and find out yeah. why he quit. But they do it not with like the kind of ways you would imagine it's it's very psychedelic of, that's the only word it's kind of a mind fuck yeah, yeah it totally is and it's definitely of its time but uh you just kind of have to roll with it because the big villain of the piece is like this weird white giant bubble that just yeah. uh absorbs people it's like how they keep everybody from, this <laughs> from escaping from swimming away yeah <laughs> yeah it's really fucked up but uh but so good and and just to keep in mind, the last episode pissed almost everyone off, and that's because <laughs> nobody realized that the whole thing was a metaphor. You know, it's yeah. like none of it's really supposed to be taken seriously. And so in the last episode, he goes, all right, here you go. I mean it. It's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, watch it if you can. But uh, it's out there now, which was a nice surprise. Yeah. All right. And finally, uh, I want to recommend a podcast series. It's on Amazon. Uh, I, I, you can get a couple of the episodes on iTunes, but I think they're just promotions so that you'll pick up the Audible app, which I think is lame. But it's a great podcast called Presidents Are People Too. And they <laughs> dig into one president per episode, and you learn all sorts of stuff about the presidents. And it's really neat. Huh. Uh, and What f- presidents have you gotten so far? Let's see. Polk. I, I've always Ooh. been... Oddly fascinated by Polk because he's really an asshole. I mean, isn't that a They Might Be Giants album, or is that just a song? What they do something about Polk, right? Polk is really an asshole by They Might Be Giants. <laughs> yeah, I'm, maybe I'm misremembering. If that. it's not, it needs to be. Let's write them. No, he, he came in with basically one agenda, and that was to gobble up Texas for the the United States. Mexico wouldn't sell it, so we said, all right, we're going to start a war, and we just took it from him. Um, cool. We took a bunch of shit under him. He, he, did, he basically had four things he wanted to get done as a president. He got them all done in the first term, and so he said, all right, I don't need to run a second time, which is, again, weird. He didn't hold on to it for, you know, power's sake. Yeah. He said, no, I got the specific shit to do. And, and I'm just talking about Polk. There's, there's a whole, you know, there's yeah. over 40. Uh, well, I might about. add that, uh, that I did uh, back that up. It's They Might Be Giants is a sh- uh, song called James K. Polk from the Album Factory Showroom. So you mm. can go listen to it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, it's really interesting podcast, especially for the presidents you don't really know anything about, like Chester A. Arthur or Martin Van Buren. But anyway, I enjoy all the, it. All the second raters. Gotcha. Yeah, I enjoy it. That's it. That's all I got. On with the show. Uh, today, we're going to talk about concerts, live music, if you will. Okay, I do have one question before we start to clarify. All right. Uh, is there a distinction between a concert, 
quote unquote, or a show? That is a unquote. good question. Um, I would say they both count. Um, okay. But, you know, at some point we we should probably dive into our favorite show and our favorite concert. Concert being great big stadium, impersonal thing. A show is a club or a small venue where the performer can make you out. I, 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 I want to say this. The idea for this was um, inspired by going to see Adam Ant in Las Vegas last week. And the venue was so small. At one point, I started dancing just because I didn't want Adam Ant to feel bad. <laughs> it was, Did you do uh, the Eric dance, though? Which is yeah. like... No, I don't have the energy for that anymore, especially when I'm faking it. It was Damn not it. a very good show, and I don't think it was his fault. I think you know it was just a lame audience, of which yeah, I was a those, member. Well, sometimes those smaller crowds are rough, because uh, it's like that. People don't really know what to do. Yeah. Uh, it's not like a stadium show where it's just, there's just thousands and thousands of people, and so it doesn't really matter. And for Adam Ant, all these people were old, older than me. You know, they were like the people (laughs) when I was in junior high, seeing him for the first time. These are the kids who were seniors in high school who were cool. And now the girls are all wearing corsets that give them those uh, those back tits, you know, (laughs) where their their fat kind of folds up around the side and pours out of the. Yeah, the dudes all have either dyed hair or are bald there and a bunch of people like all with the same look of i'm cool because i was into him when he was younger and better <laughs> that's so sad isn't it yeah and so the audience just was not was not 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 meant for a good show okay so but, but there is a dis- i saw him when i saw him in portland a few months ago it was a great show because nobody in that audience was like that they were all sort of portland hipsters who understood the power and the majesty of adam ant so the ant that's why i put it on the audience not him okay Mm -hmm. i guess i don't have as big a problem with the middle-aged audience going to see the band they like because you know i do i've been that guy Mm -hmm. i just don't have the dyed hair i don't have a problem with it i I, i'm just saying like the audience was kind of checked out they weren't into the music the way I think he had hoped, and so yeah. the, mm. the, the, the room was just, it just felt dead. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, that's a show, a concert, yeah, stadium, sports coliseum, uh, big-ass pain in the butt. I, I, I'm not a big fan of concerts as opposed to shows, but we'll yeah. get into that. Yeah, um, there's a, Bill Mar- or a Mark Marin on one of his recent stand-up specials on Netflix has a whole bit about seeing, I think it's the Rolling Stones Mm-hmm. Uh, but doing like sitting in back with his friend because they paid for the the lot parking that's really close, and so then there's the whole debate during the encore about whether or not they should leave early yeah. to beat traffic. That's basically <laughs> oh, that's right. basically me uh, or uh, presumably you guys as well because like you reach an age where it's like fuck this, I don't need to stay for this the preening encore. I am out of here. That that's that happens more me. often than not though now, but usually because the concerts I'm seeing are of bands I've seen before. Yeah. So let me let me jump into a couple questions. What was your first concert? And I think for this one, I really mean concert, not show. What was your first big deal? Big show? Yeah. This is this is one of my favorite things to humble brag about. Kiss. <laughs> Go for it. Here it comes. The Kiss Destroyer Tour. <laughs> really? In the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. 
Did you go by yourself? I have older brothers. Oh, I was gonna say. <laughs> so my older my older brother, my older stepbrother, I'm I'm visiting my dad for the summer because, you know, divorce. And it's like nineteen seventy I don't know, seventy seven maybe, seventy eight. I think and, that was like seventy eight, yeah. Yeah, and uh it might have been the Love Gun tour. I'm not sure. I was young, but who cares? Because my dad got guilted into taking our asses to fucking kiss. So, you know, I'm like six, seven years old and like Gene Simmons is breathing fire and going out on the, you know, on the big catwalks and And spitting blood. And you're in the audience going, wow, they're so overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Disco sucks. Disco sucks. (laughs) Yeah, that was me. Yeah. So, you know, kiss. That's my claim to fame. First concert. Oh, you oh man, bitch. that's funny. Uh, I, yeah, that's that's good stuff. I'm sure I my think, brother. I was think at when that you show. told me that story initially, I had asked you, was that like your choice to go to Kiss, or was it like somebody told you it was cool? Because that's that's kind of a young age to be into Kiss. I I'm think a at little that age, kid, you could have taken me to the to the fucking like whatever, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to the Wiggles, and I'd have been like, yeah, it's the, the Wiggles, Wiggles, motherfucker, you know? <laughs> man. Yeah. How about you, Chris? You had like the Wiggles and Kiss makeup. That'd have been worth it. Mm. Uh, the first ever that I remember but don't remember because I was just little. It didn't have the impact of something like Kiss, but it was around '78, I guess, and it was the Iowa State Fair again, like divorced parents scenario. But uh, this ended up being the Osmonds, like Donnie and Marie, at the height of oh their my Osmandius. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't honestly don't remember anything about the show. I'm sure it was a little bit country. I'm sure it was a little bit rock and roll. But uh, beyond that, all I remember is seeing billboards for the other headliner that year, which was Styx, and uh, being really intrigued oh, by Styx and out. wanting to see that. And so I kind of feel disappointed. And yeah, I think um, Styx is underrated. I I saw Styx a couple years ago, and they're still amazing. Yeah. Like, really, really fucking good. I always enjoy sticks. Like, they get a bad rap from a lot of uh, hipstery types, I think, because they're so prog rocky yet not prog rocky. Yeah. It's a weird bag. Uh, so, yeah, so I've never seen him live, but it's, it, I had a chance and we, we went for the Osmonds instead. <laughs> but I had you no ever control get a over that. To see sticks. The, the guy, I mean, Dennis DeYoung doesn't tour with sticks. But yeah. the guy that replaced him completely earns his job. Like he is amazing. Okay. Uh, he's playing. His keyboard is on this like pole, and it can rotate 360 degrees. And, <laughs> wow. and at some wow. point, he like um, he will stand behind the keyboard, reach over it backwards, and play the solo to "Angry Young Man" or something backwards. Oh God. Like, Why? It's, he's just because he's that fucking good, and he's a show off, and it's a great show. I thought yeah. it was so uh, that people could play the keyboards. Here, you now play the keyboards now. <laughs> yeah, he plays them like behind his back, right? Is that what you said? Oh yeah, he does all that shit. <laughs> okay, okay, it's a good time. Damn it! Uh, but, but obviously, I mean, the rest of the band is also great. It's yeah. just a really good show. Yeah, they opened for they opened for Def Leppard, and they destroyed Def Leppard. Destroyed. <laughs> well, speaking Before of Def Leppard, after so the this drummer is... lost his arm because that's kind of not fair. After, after, it was only well, a couple and years that, ago. 
Well, and the, and the, to bookend that, the, so the first show that I went to of my own free will uh, and was able to go on my own was the Def Leppard tour for Hysteria with the one arm drummer when he first came out. Uh, <laughs> after after that, uh, I went with with Brandy Matthias and Tesla opened, and it was at Veterans Coliseum. Uh, and it was everything I'd hoped for and more out of a Def Leppard show. Open for Sticks and Def Leppard two years ago. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> I think I think that's a sign. Because because uh, in the eighties, shit was weird. Def Leppard really plays video of them playing in the Hysteria days in their current concert. It's like, dude, don't do that to yourself. Yeah. Don't, oh, oh. That's like wearing the. That's like being the guy wearing the T-shirt of the band to the show. Don't be that guy. Actually, that's Don't more like that that's more like Heather Locklear wearing a T-shirt of how she looked on T.J. Hooker. There you go. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So my first one, I gotta, I gotta say, because I'm glad you brought up that thing about going willingly and not going willingly, because this sucks. Mm. Um, I for years I have told people. <laughs> The truth, as I understood it, which is that my first concert was the Rolling Stones, the Tattoo You Tour 1981, the one that yeah. makes everybody go, oh, fuck, you got to go to, oh, that's awesome. That I remember not- you showing up to the playground with the shirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you do the day after the concert. You wear the shirt. Yes. And all the yeah. kids were, like, pissed. Oh, how do you get it? Because they don't have a coolness test to get a ticket, you jerk off. I went to the show. <laughs> oh, but they don't? Nope. Damn it. Could have gone. Uh, but the thing is, I, I, after a bit of, you know, a few years of thinking about it, and, you know, kind of like kind of like the people who realized that their, their uncle felt them up, I had a suppressed memory come out. <laughs> my first concert was not the Rolling Stones. Uh, my first concert was Anne Murray. Oh, you poor bastard. Yeah, yeah. And Anne Murray was, molested Eric. And that That's was what we're not learning today. One of the concerts I chose to go to, it was just my parents saying, we've got tickets to <laughs> Anne Murray. And of course, at the time, I know who that is because she's on every radio station. And I go, oh, famous person? Okay, neat. It's kind of like the way Brian saw Kiss, I saw Anne Murray. <laughs> God damn. And I saw the Osmonds. So I think, I think, I think Brian wins childhood at some point so. in this contest. I think so, yeah. yeah. Round one, Brian Kruger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't worry. You guys are going to just... Just waste me once we get to the 90s. Uh, I, uh, yeah, assuming I remember them. So, yeah, that's going to be a challenge all in of itself. Well, there is that. Yeah. A question, though, uh, to consider. Why do we go to live shows? Because aren't we just, like, watching people? I was thinking of this during the Adam Ant Show. We're just watching people play instruments in as close of the same way as they did on the album only with inferior sound systems and in a room full of people. I mean, it's like a geek trick. It's not really... Not, not necessarily, not though. I, I would disagree with you on that, because not every musician is going to try to replicate what is on the album. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between a live show and album. Uh, they're not always technically the same. Sometimes they take a lot of risk. And I like, for instance, they'll change things up. Like one of my favorite live albums, and I think Brian gave it to me, it's the devo now it can be told like 88 and they lead it off with a 
what they call the sad version of Jocko Homo, and it's basically a, a low tempo acoustic version of Jocko Homo, mm-hmm. and it's totally different from the album song, uh, and it and it works. We lost our tail Evolving up From little snails I say it's all Just wind and sail Are we not men? We are Devo And so if you get musicians that know what they're doing and aren't afraid to take a risk, then you'll get weird shit, and it's quite fun. And it's so it makes it a unique experience, and I think that's the difference between the, sh- the live show and the album, and so not necessarily go hand-in-hand. Hand. So really, uh, a so good just concert... just depends on what you get. A good concert is up to the musician to decide to stretch rather than just play. And, and of course, there's now this gimmick of... Uh, my wife called it a gimmick, and I realized she was right, that... They now tour an album. They will play like all the songs in right. order of an album, yeah. and I'm like, that kind of makes sense. But then why don't I just stay at home and listen to the album, especially if yeah. they're not going to do anything different? Well, so this is this I think gets to the difference between the concert and the show, right? Like, why why go to the symphony to listen to them play any particular symphony as opposed to listen to a pristine recording of it? You know. The concerts, because they're so big and expensive, I think they are more just kind of produced and product. But I don't know about you. I go for two things. One, the energy of the crowd. And two, the light show. I mean, you're not going to get that big-ass live show at home. you just not. I guess. Yeah. That's true. And that's true. That, but that's, again, that goes back to are they willing to put into the time, the time to make the performance itself worth watching? If they don't and they're just playing, that's usually a bad show. Well, I think it just it depends on what stage of their career the band is at as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to factor in because if they're young and hungry, then they're going to be a very energetic band, more likely than not, I would think. But if it's like the house payment tour and they've been doing this for decades, uh, it's kind of <laughs> difficult to assume that they're going to be putting out their all. You know what I mean? Except like Mick Jagger, he's still strutting around like a fucking peacock, and it's just kind of gross. But you, you know, know it, in nineteen eighty nine, though, in nineteen eighty nine, The Damned went on tour, and Captain Sensible was like, "You think the Who are doing it for the money? We are absolutely broke." <laughs> yeah, we need. There was well, a similar. There's a similar one when the Sex Pistols toured. Like yeah. and and they got up on the stage and Johnny Rotten said something like, "Yeah, I know, but we're forty and fat. What's your excuse?" <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Ever get a feeling you've been cheated? Yeah. Uh, so it's so it's you know kind of a, a give or take because I've seen like small venue bands like uh, one of the funniest things I ever saw and it's and it's one of the coolest things at the same time was I think it was O three and so it was when the darkness. Right before they broke, uh, oh, with fun. keep keep your hands off my woman, motherfucker. Yeah, which is just like a total throwback song, and it's so perfect. Well, I saw them before they broke. They came to Austin for South by Southwest, and we were at some showcase with them, and they had like a thirty minute set, and so they came in, and the place was like half full of that, and they did like they were playing an arena 
I mean, it was just like they didn't give a shit, and they were just yeah. playing to the crowd. They had like flash pods going off, and the lead singer like did a wardrobe change halfway through. It's like a Those thirty minute set. Were the best. Those, they it was, were I, so fucking I was, awesome. I was so blown away. I mean, I walked it out, out of there just going, "What the fuck did I just see? I need to see it again. Yeah. I need that album. Who the fuck are?" I mean, it was just amazing, and so. Those kind of things are, I think, rare, but they do happen if the band just is willing to just go all out. They're, they're the band I, I when, after I listened to them, I rediscovered glam. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's all this yeah. shit that's that good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a good time. Um, okay, well, I think we nutted that. So bands out there, if you, uh, if you want to do a good concert, stretch a little. Um, <laughs> really? And uh, Flash Pods. Yeah. Because I did see a tribute band in Tempe uh, like 20-some-odd years ago. It was a, a ACDC tribute band called TNT. And so you can imagine what their signature song was. And the guy that sang for him looked and sounded exactly like Brian Johnson. Yeah. And so when they got to the chorus part, he'd go, Fire! And then, poof, the pot, flash pods go out. It's like this little tiny club. Like the bar's off to the side. People are milling about having happy hour. It was like, what the fuck is going on? It was amazing. <laughs> well, so, still, I, like they, the, they, I like spectacle. That still won't top the real white snake for flash pods. I mean, they, they <laughs> oh, topped God. the themselves <laughs> i think a lot of people really Man. would have died to see that show i don't know i can't think of many more jokes but <laughs> oh you no oh great white that's who you meant not white snake oh i thought it was okay okay then yeah. then yeah nothing i've said makes any sense never mind <laughs> if you just insert great white <laughs> in place of white snake any white will do but yeah we get the gist yeah <laughs> i don't so know have you have you seen um an opening band that was better than the headliner. I, I mentioned Sticks mm. beating out Def Leppard. Uh, Tesla, Tesla? I think we mentioned Tesla. No. no. Mm. Uh, I Actually, yeah. I saw Nine Inch Nails open for Jane's Addiction before Nine Inch Nails really blew up. I was in, with L- you. in LA. And All that was a cool... Ball. Yeah, that was a cool-ass show, man. That was a cool-ass show. And they, <laughs> so, blew, they blew Jane's Addiction out of the fucking water. It was yeah, amazing. Yeah, that was... He would play Get Down, Make Love. They played that live. But then during the encore uh, for Head Like a Hole, they had like every roadie and guitar tech on the stage <laughs> with guitars to yeah. play the one chord in the chorus. Right? Yeah. And it was just, <laughs> like 14 guys with guitars. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool.
No, the only, the only I don't I don't have a great memory of opening acts, but um, the Glam Skanks opening for Adam Ant certainly the last time I saw him were pretty fucking phenomenal. There, there's I would this that. L.A. all girl band. They're glam. They're rock. They're they're really good. They got swagger, man. They got swagger. Yeah, they're good. I think the only other examples I have of that are in shows that had a big lineup, and it was just one of the bands that played earlier, and I don't know if that counts as an opening act. Uh, yeah, I don't know if festivals count. Yeah. Festivals, uh, that's I like think a that, beast unto itself. Yeah, and, and I'll bet they shuffle like on cities, because now that I think of it, I saw the Ramones and Blondie on one of those 80s reunion the, tours. I can't yeah, remember who Escape from first. New York. Yeah, but I, I, I bet I was thrilled to see either of them, you know? Yeah. I did find my old ticket stub for that because I actually, uh, if I'm full disclosure here, I keep all of my old ticket stubs just as a a keepsake. And so I've got this jar full and I was flipping through it this weekend looking at it. I'm like, I don't even remember that. Was I drunk? (laughs) I don't know what that one is. What the fuck was that? I've got that same Um, collection and some of them I look at and go, why did I save this? I don't even know what this is. What? Is that a band? I think the best one that popped up was when I pulled off my ticket stub for Matchbox 20 because I was <laughs> dating oh. a girl at the time and it was right when they were breaking and I thought, oh dear God. There's someone out there going Coldplay. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's a good one. Bands you went to because you were with a girl who liked the band. Yeah. Uh, Mat- Matchbox 20. Wow. Yeah. What have you got for that, Eric? ACDC, but I didn't like ACDC at the time. Now I have an appreciation for them, but at the time I was just trying to get laid. Did it work? So No. <laughs> oh. Bummer, man. Man, you had to sit through ACDC and you didn't even have sex. God well, damn it. The nice you know thing, though, is going to be a show, good live show. The nice thing is, at that show, <laughs> I went, fuck, ACDC is awesome. And I, I can't remember anything about the date, but I do remember getting into ACDC as a result. Okay. Yeah, ACDC is a good example of a band where you don't necessarily want to listen to the album, but the concert's probably the shit. I think yeah. that's also because ACDC is one of those bands, I've said for years since that show, obviously, that they're a band that is, they've never changed their tune. They've never pulled a Metallica and decided mm-hmm. to use like like brushes instead of drumsticks to play softer. They haven't like <laughs> had a change of direction. They're like, uh-uh, we're, we're ass-kicking rock and roll and we we set the amps at 11 that's their thing that's their story yeah and it's just always good that's the kind of stuff that sounds good live well and another band in that realm as well and i will just uh throw this out there is cheap trick i've seen them a couple of times oh i'm jealous and and they they fucking kill. Uh, one of the shows I saw was one of the ones you don't like, Eric, where they go, they do one of their albums for the whole show because it was oh. like a three night stand. Yeah, and they did the first three albums in a row, three nights in a row. And I caught the second night, which is uh, I think in color, uh-huh. if memory serves, and that's got Southern Girls and some other stuff on it, which I love. Yeah, uh, and and it's a really intimate show. And it was amazing. And then the next time was a couple years later. They just would just played a club, and it was just a, a raucous show. But Robin Zander was was getting drunk and 
as the show progressed. And so <laughs> by the end, he was sort of fall down and they had to carry him off. And <laughs> Nancy and I went around the side because she's a, she has been in love with Robin Zander since she was a kid. And we went around the side where the, the exit door is and Robin Zander like comes storming out and he flung the gate open and it almost cracked her in the face. And she's oh, like, Oh, that fucking dick. <laughs> so I don't know if she <laughs> likes him anymore. Yeah. Just, so, just for the record, I don't, I, 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 well, I actually like the tour and album thing, but it is okay. a gimmick. That's all. Well, yeah, or, you just want to sell more re-releases. Right. Co- I mean, it always coincides with, hey, we've got a repressing. Why don't you go out and buy that thing now? Exactly. I mean, that's pretty much it. So. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So the band, the band that I went to uh, was because my ex-wife really liked the Dave Matthews band. <laughs> oh, you poor like bastard. Three or four times. Here's the thing. First of all, at least they are trying to change it up. Like they do a lot of improvisation, so that's. But how would you know? That's how would you know? Well, yeah, but (laughs) and the other thing is, the drummer for the Dave Matthews Band is a fucking awesome drummer. He's a machine. This guy. He's he's popping out all sorts of crazy beats, and he makes it look effortless. But he also is built like you know one giant muscle. Right. Okay. All, all I can say to counter that is uh, Jeff Picario of Toto is an amazing drummer. I don't want to see Toto. <laughs> I challenge any I of them. Right there. I challenge any of them to be a one-armed drummer. Take that. <laughs> yeah, but all their songs were <laughs> half as fast afterwards. <laughs> that's true. Um, oh, that's yeah. just math. I, well, okay. the, the sad thing about the one-armed drummer is his whole kit is, you know, triggers with his feet and whatnot. So he's trigger- triggering the samples from a Roland R8 drum machine, and he just sounds like a Roland R8 drum machine. Like, so they not just, just any drum machine, a specific one. Yeah. Well, but they didn't want to kick him out. I mean, they felt bad for him. <laughs> that's kind of dickish. Oh, drummer loses his arm? Fuck it. I mean, hey, yeah, that's, they're, they're like family. Them. Yeah, good for him. Uh, <laughs> you think by now they could afford, uh, like, a prosthetic that had really cool robotic features where he could just drum again, right? Or maybe like a drummer with both arms. Hey, oh, maybe bet. they could afford a You're drum cold. machine. Yeah. Oh. Hey. <laughs> okay. All so right. uh, the next the next question, if I may, uh, do you have any favorite stories from shows? Uh, so many. All right. Anything like 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 somebody did some shit on stage that was interesting. Something happened to you at the show. I don't know. I, I, there's a fun well, communal reality to shows that all of mine center around the early Lollapalooza tours for some reason. Okay. Like the 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 first Lollapalooza ever in '91 happened in our town in Phoenix. That was the inaugural show of the whole yep. ordeal. Hampton Terrace. And uh, I think we were late for some reason, and then we got caught in traffic, and so we missed. Uh, Lords of Acid, we missed Rollins, we missed Butthole Surfers. Uh, I think by the time we got there, Ice-T was just going on with Body Count. Yeah, we didn't miss Rage, I can tell you that, and they were early yeah. on. Yeah, 
so then we get through the whole show, and Susie the Banshees was good, but Nine Inch Nails had some sort of uh, technical issue. Yeah. And so, like, fucked up. So Trent Reznor stormed off and wouldn't come back because they he, couldn't he, fix like, it. He, broke his keyboard on stage. He, like, Yeah. He just, like, it. yeah, had a, a full-on fit. And then by the time Jane's Addiction, the headliner, came out, they were so out of it uh, that they were just, like, so sloppy. And then, like, like played half a set before Perry Farrell just lost his shit and, like, just wandered off or something. I mean, it was just like, what? So the tickets were not cheap because it's a festival. I bought one for our friend Chris for his birthday. And then I think after Nine Inch Nails stormed off, because that's the band he really wanted to see, uh, he just left. <laughs> like, just walked off. Like, where the fuck did he go? Uh, so, yeah, that one uh, was not an auspicious start to the Lollapalooza thing. Oh, wow. that's um, I, I saw Jane's Addiction live in Phoenix before Lollapalooza, and they hadn't really hit yet. And it was just sort of like this. It was a club show. It was a real tiny kind of thing. But everybody, you know, so, so basically slam dancing wasn't halted. And everyone was having a great time thrashing about to it. And I saw a kid I know from school uh, with his girlfriend who's crying. And he, he's going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And fucking, I, I still think this is a, a hilarious conversation despite the Me Too movement. She says, I can't believe you hit me. He says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I was thrashing about it. In the face! I know, I know, I'm really sorry, honey. Three times! <laughs> oh, like, what happened? Now I need to know what happened. So the best pit I was ever in was a small club, and it was Nine Inch Nails. It was that show right before the, the Downward Spiral Tour. And Nine Inch Nails in a small club is is uh, a lot of fun, especially if you're in the pit. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't really scary. do the pit, but yeah, I'll, I I can imagine. Because uh, um, I want to talk about uh, the scariest moment. And Chris, I think you were with me. So this was this must have been 1990. I was living in Southern California at the time, and uh, we went to some shows with Dreamcoat's Amazing Technicolor Joseph. Yeah, um, <laughs> who was really into a band called Blackbird. Which is kind of a oh, yeah. very chain uh, noise thing. And Blackbird, there were two bands opening for him. One was called Distorted Pony, which <laughs> they were great because they had like their percussion section was like the fuel tank of a Chevy Nova with a microphone in it, and the guy was hitting it with stuff. Yeah. Um. But but the band before that, Chris, do you remember Crash Worship? No. So Crash Worship was terrifying. Um, their whole deal was, like, there was this big, like, seven-foot-tall bald dude wearing overalls screaming, just nothing, oh! just, <laughs> and like, there were other people whose job it was to, like, go out in the crowd and get everybody as close to the stage as possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that now. I think I blocked creepy. that. I think I blocked that. That was really <laughs> disturbing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, fucking L.A. Man, that's some crazy, crazy stuff. I don't, I don't actually remember anything about that band or their music other than, oh my god, I'm really uncomfortable, I want to leave. Oh, uh, that's lame. Oh, it was yeah. terrifying. Uh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he kind of had the vibe of like uh, Jason Siegel from, uh, uh, 
from SLC Punk. It's like he would just like at any moment would just start beating the shit out of people indiscriminately. It's like it's, it's like, and then you'd be there going, "Is this part of the show? I'm not qu- quite sure what's happening here." Yeah. Oh God. Uh. Uh, well, the most uncomfortable I personally have ever been at any sort of show was uh, I think the second or third Lollapalooza. And I had just broken up with uh, my girlfriend, Rachel, and I had started seeing a girl named Kim. And I had already bought tickets to go to the show with Rachel and cleared it with Kim and everything was cool. And so I'm there with my ex-girlfriend and my new girlfriend and trying to act like everything is okay and normal. And all of my friends are enjoying watching me squirm and uh, are just making me as uncomfortable as possible uh, <laughs> by poking various tigers. And I was just not, I couldn't even pay attention to the music. Was I it honestly the don't even remember. Boys tour or the Chili Peppers tour? I think it was the the Beastie Boys one. That was the year I didn't go. So I didn't, I didn't get to watch that nightmare. Yeah, it was yeah. still, it was, yeah, it was awful. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was, yeah, it was rough. And so I don't remember anything about the show. I just remember that I was really uh, uncomfortable for the entire duration. Like any threesome. Yeah. <laughs> so in that regard, what what is a constant, because this is a question Eric had brought up, and I don't think we've covered it yet, but what do you brag about going to, uh, but was not your favorite? Yeah. That and I think I Eric kiss. <laughs> so okay uh so i think we have covered it so brian would be kissed i'm guessing eric's is those rolling stones yeah, yeah. tattoo okay and mine would be the Lollapalooza. so i'm glad we covered that <laughs> yeah nothing really interesting there i guess yeah yeah i i've seen rollins a couple of times but it's not like i need to brag about seeing rollins i uh, because nobody's into his music everybody wants to see yeah. him do stand-up comedy but he's yeah. got a really when he was performing, when he was actually touring, his his shit was super tight. And funny story, I'm in the front row uh, to see Rollins at Club Something Something. It's in the River Bottom in Tempe, Arizona. Some some shit club, but uh, with a stage that's like a foot high. And my friend Jason and I are both in the front row waiting to see Rollins. And everyone, I don't know what they're expecting, but he and I are huge Black Flag fans, Rollins Band fans, we're, we're amped that he came here to Arizona, not even, <laughs> not Tucson, something down the road. And so we're, we're ready. We're ready. Rollins comes out in just black shorts, which is how he, you know, rolls on stage, just his black exercise shorts. And he's stretching out. We're stretching out. We're getting ready for this shit. And then uh, Rollins sees a girl in the front row who's like next to Jason uh and he's like hey hi how you doing i'm henry hi you know what's what's he doing he's he's hitting on a girl in the front <laughs> he was smacking <laughs> on a chick in the crowd we're right gonna on. we're gonna like we're gonna get all punk rock and he's hitting on a girl what's up and then he does this thing okay he's got tattoos all over his body but he's got tattoos on his forelegs one each a snake and so he looks at the snake on his foreleg and goes, ha, hoo, hoo, ha, and starts like slapping his leg and says, oh, ha, sorry, I thought a snake was climbing up my leg. He's making horrible dad jokes. <laughs> and, and, and we're watching this and, and we start just laughing, just, just laughing our asses off. And he looks at us and goes, what? And Jason, 
not missing a beat says, you're a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) And there was this wonderful moment of realizing that our hero was like as much of a dork as we were. Yeah. Kill kill your idols, man. Kill your idols. Kill them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, has, has there ever been a moment where you've seen a show or a concert where you've just had this like weird transcendental moment? Yes. I saw Ooh, tell us. I, I saw Zodiac Mind Warp and the love reaction. And well, you would expect a transcendental yeah. moment. Yeah, say no more, say no more. I just remember like seeing them at the Mason Jar in Phoenix, and I was way into this show. And they didn't have a whole lot of material, so it's not like I could be a big fan, but I knew their stuff and I'm just really into it. I <laughs> just remember there's this one part when the guitar player is playing this solo and he just sort of like in the middle of it looks out in the crowd and just nods his head like here comes the shit and then he plays a couple of notes that I don't know what he did but the whole crowd just went Ugh. like there was some like incredible energy that came from sonically from this guy and it's like I thought maybe I was you know just on drugs but everyone in the in the in the joint sort of exhaled collectively collectively yeah that's the word thank you so nice. to, uh. to answer that question i would have to admit to th- something on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> well if you're not comfortable then uh, don't do it you know uh let's just say that uh, i wasn't sober how about that that's okay. good okay that's most every show i've ever been to yeah <laughs> so <laughs> This was the, uh, I'll go ahead and cop to it. I, this is the only concert I dropped acid at, and Ooh. it was a Depeche Mode concert, but it kicked in at a good time, or maybe it wasn't a good time. <laughs> Who cares the acid kicked in? Is there ever a good time for the acid to kick in at a Depeche Mode show? Apparently during the song Rush, because this was the Faith and Devotion tour, and okay. the video that was playing either had a lot of tracers or I thought it did. So I was happy. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, Depeche Mode. That was a good show. I did not think. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think it would be a great show because again, that's a band that all they need is electricity. But yeah, yeah, great show, especially the visuals. Interesting. Yeah, they they put on a good light show. Well, uh, one of the co- one of the coolest things I ever saw was it was another South by Southwest thing, but it was one of the free day shows. Uh, and it was this club on sixth street and a lot of people packed in cause you got to get there early when you find out about these things. But Robin Hitchcock showed up and just played a solo oh, acoustic set. It was like 30 minutes maybe. Uh, but the highlight was he started playing my wife and my dead wife yeah. acoustic and, and he's literally like six feet from me cause I'm right near the front of the stage and it wasn't a very high stage and I just was transfixed. I'm like, Oh, you know, and your head just sort of like internally goes. Yeah. Uh, and I just, and then I walked around in a daze for the rest of the, the show. Uh, every other place that I went to is I'm like that. I, there's no way I can top that. There's no way. There's just fucking no way. You know, I was I was listening to music while painting this weekend, and um, Balloon Man came on the mix, and mm-hmm. and Jolene's like, "This is one of those Chris songs, isn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> it truly is. I love Globe of Frogs, man. I have that album uh, still. I love it. Right. Like a slow dip. 
You just gave me a slight, a slight fearful jump there, Brian, when you said painting. And I was like, oh no, you're not doing the middle-aged old man thing of picking <laughs> up painting seascapes and shit. And then I realized, no. oh no, that's right. He's no, no. he's renovating. Okay, it's I was cool. Painting a door jam. It was super exciting. Man, that's a good. That, that's a great band name. Painting a door jam. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what concert do you uh, wish you could have seen? Who do you wish you could have seen live that you can't? Oh Christ! Anybody either, from their hate? Either anybody from their heyday, or they're no longer any good. Like the Who. You could see the, the Who. who. The Except who? half of yeah, them are dead. I'll go with the who. Yeah, but you'd have to see him before Keith Moon passed away. That's what I mean. You're never uh, going to get yeah. that. Lo- Moon the loon. Yeah. Well, the Who live at Leeds is one of. Uh, the live albums that actually has rotation in my collection and I will listen to it from time to time. Mm-hmm. And just the, the stuff that he does on the drums, you, I mean, you can hear it in the album. It's just fucking crazy. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, I would, I would give my left arm to be the drummer in Def Leppard. Boom. Uh, <laughs> no, I would, <laughs> no, I would, I would really want to see the who at the height of their powers i think that would be amazing that yeah. that would have been a good one eric i gotta go with the original wall tour on this yeah i, I, was, I didn't even go to the new wall tour the other year like <laughs> the new wall yeah the yeah. mexican wall tour. roger, roger uh, waters toured an album he did the wall yeah. uh, a couple years back but i would have loved to have seen that yeah i'm i'm in agreement that would have been mine too i i want to see the one they did in frankfurt or yeah the original only you know, what was it like 18 shows only they only did it like 20 times in four cities and then they said yeah. oh that's it and yeah so few people got to see it it's kind of one of those um rock and roll brags very few people get to it, it's kind of the same way more people say that they have irish ancestry than mathematically could have come from ireland <laughs> <laughs> well you know irish twins i mean that's a thing right yeah, but not the same thing. <laughs> well, but it's I know just what the, you mean. I mean, well, it's just music is so subjective. So you hear everybody talk about these mind blowing concerts, but then it's like, well, was it really? Because you yeah. could go to the same show and talk to somebody, and they'd be like, all oh, and you'd be like, yeah, whatever. But the thing about the know, Wall so, Show, know. the original Wall Show, was that it was a whole theatrical piece, and you, I don't know how well you know the album, but they they sing about the surrogate band in the in the flesh intro mm-hmm. there is a surrogate band there's a second pink floyd and it's the uh session musicians wearing these plastic masks so they look exactly like the members of pink floyd <laughs> and they're playing on a substage inside of the wall and you think that's the band and then they cut to the next song and the same band is now over here and you go how in the fuck did that happen well because they're <laughs> They're, they're mind-fucking you the whole time. I want to see that show. <laughs> yeah. Well, just back in the 70s when album-oriented rock was a thing, I mean, it just I think that played over into the concerts as well. So I think they were just much more of a spectacle. Mm-hmm. And not like a Beyonce kind of spectacle or a Madonna kind of spectacle. I mean, it was like they did like theatrics, but they still managed to play the songs and yeah. uh, sort of tie everything in. I mean, yeah. that's the kind of thing I, I, I would love to see. Like any any of the bands in their heyday, really. Yeah. But uh, Floyd amazing. Floyd came up with stage show in mind. It's like their very first shows. They were they were using oil lamps projected on walls and doing all that psychedelia shit. Every show yeah. they planned the visuals and that's yeah, you know, they they were more and more grand 
the wall is sort of the height of the whole thing, even if it's yeah. Yeah. kind of the fall, even though you can hear the falling action of that band at work, that's when they said, we're going to do a, a concept. It's going to be huge. It's going to fuck people up and nothing has ever topped it. Yeah. The wall, bang, the bang. wall still sounds dangerous. Yes. Like 40 years later. Right. <laughs> so, um, I want to turn the questions on its head. Brag about some shows. Uh. Ideally uh. shows that ideally shows <laughs> that can't be repeated. Uh, I saw Fugazi. Um, nice. I don't know that I don't know that Fugazi is around anymore. If they are, they're like an old man band. But yeah, Fugazi of <laughs> touring um, their first album, old man band. Yeah, <laughs> where everybody like walks uh, around going, "I used to be punk rock," but no, they yeah they were touring their first uh, album, and it was a good show despite the fact that. Ian Mackay kept like, like, pass, passing judgment on the audience for dancing. You got to listen to the words, man. This is important. Oh, it's about rape. You know. It's oh like, Jesus! Yeah, I hate dude. people. Dude, why don't you play some minor threat, please? <laughs> Pay for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it's hard to pinpoint because some shows are just really good, but it's sort of like you're just there because you kind of have to do it, like. uh like any Beastie Boys show was always awesome, mm-hmm. but uh, I honestly couldn't tell you how different each one was because it's just you know they're they're good. I uh, but I hear this question like the the White Unicorn question like if you if you could have been at Live Eight and seen Floyd original lineup play that one time, right? That would have been amazing. So I I have two of these, um, and I think you are at least one of them, Chris. Uh, the of Pixies course. played Mill Avenue. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard of that. Wasn't it like it was, it was like Per, per Ubu open, right? Yeah, and it was just like this little like park. And <laughs> yeah, it like, literally was like a tiny little square. The size of weird. A, where a building would go, but there wasn't a building there yet. And yeah. it was it was the Trompe Montour, so Kim Deal is still around. Yeah, and it was right before they imploded. Yeah, that was right before great. you two killed them. Yeah, yes. I've got the ticket stub right here, Brian. It was Friday, November first, nineteen ninety-one, seven thirty p.m. Ooh, Boom! Look at that. And, <laughs> so uh, that's, we know where we were. That was that was you know that was a once in a lifetimer. And then uh, the other one, Chris, nineteen eighty-seven, the Arizona State Fair for six bucks. I got to see yeah. Oingo Boingo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice! The Boingo a live tour. I was at that, that was the show. shit. Right? <laughs> and like, you didn't know it. Danny Elfman is like playing a xylophone and singing and somebody hits him with a shoe yeah. and he just yeah. keeps going. Like <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. It's crazy how how little that is, six dollars. Like that Pixie show according to this ticket stub was like sixteen fifty. Do you know that show like that nowadays would be like fifty bucks? Yeah. A lot more than it's that. It's killing me. Yeah. Well the the coolest thing I think I can think of. Well, one of them, but one that stands out. Uh, it's when REM was touring the album. I think it was the Green album. It was the one in '89, uh, and they were top shit. And they were touring with Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians, who was oh, nice. doing was doing Queen of Wasps at the time was the album. And so Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians opened. So I got to see Balloon Man live in front of rem the best thing about the show though was that uh that was the weekend that our friend toby was touring schools out east like yale and harvard and whatever and 
R.E.M. was his favorite band next to Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians. So that's like <laughs> tailor made for him. And we were giving him so much shit. Uh, and then years later, I realized that, uh, yeah, he missed that show, but he got to go to fucking Yale. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're not going to. Toby is actually a listener to the show and we love you, Toby, but we're we're. Yeah, okay, fine. You win at all the things, you bastard. <laughs> really? And but you'll never see that show. Venus. Yeah, <laughs> really. Much. Uh, but in all fairness, I mean, it was a really good show, and it's too bad he missed it, because that, that literally was his two favorite bands at that moment in time. Uh, but, you know, he can always watch the video, I guess. But it was a good show. It was really, really solid. I saw R.E.M. on the Monster Tour, which was the last tour they did with their uh, full lineup. Um, Before Peter Buck had his aneurysm or whatever? Well, they actually called it the aneurysm tour. Cause the, <laughs> really? like, yeah. Um, but they just, because Monster was a pretty rocking album, they played like hard the whole time. They, they went for all the fast stuff, which was a lot of fun. Okay, cool. You don't get that stuff on an album, Eric. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, but I mean, I do wonder how much of it is. I got to see the show, and even if it sucks, you go, I got to see the show, you know? Well, yeah, but have you seen the show unless you buy the $25 t-shirt? No, that's a good no. question. If it depends on if I kept the ticket stub. I might have forgotten <laughs> about it. Yeah. Well, the thing that pisses me off is you pay all that money for the t-shirt, and then like in five years, because you've worn it every other day, uh, it just disintegrates. Mm, it's man. just, it's unfortunate. There's so many concert shirts I wish I still had. Fuck. I have that's a what? lot of concert shirts I can't wear, because I am got fatter, you know? But, <laughs> well, that's what ex-girlfriends well, yeah. are for, to, to like, like soak up all of your cool shirts. That's, yeah. not, <laughs> that's not a joke, like, by accident. They literally take your favorite fucking shirt as if to brand you. <laughs> I think Ben Folds 5 wrote a whole song about this. They did. They did. <laughs> Another a band I would have liked to have seen live. Oh yeah. They're good. They're good. They're very good. I can't think of too much more to add to this subject. No, except I think live albums. I think we're at a good point. Except, yeah, I think course, live albums is a whole Brian other show. Brian is the only one of the three of us who's actually performed live music in a band. That is true, and I love the story. If you would please tell it of running around the stage. Okay, yeah. So, um, oh, that was so we we it was part of a. a bunch of local bands that just tried to put together a show. I think we called it Local Palooza or something god-awful like that. <laughs> uh, wow, we that's really catchy. That's really park. catchy. Yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, we had a song. Uh, it was always the the next-to-last song in our set. And, what was the band? 
Uh, the band was, well, originally it was called Frame 313, named after the That's frame right. of the Zap Ruder film where <laughs> Kennedy right. gets shot in the head. That's punk rock. But uh, yeah. we eventually renamed to Naked Lunchbox. Um, okay. And I think we were still Frame at the time, because I think Chris was still in the band. Uh, the song, oh, and for a little while, you were Fram 313 because they misspelled it, right? <laughs> that was funny, yeah. too. Like, at some gig, it was yeah. like, who's Fram 313? It's like an oil filter thing exactly. or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, there's a break in the song. The song was called Freedom Child, and there's a break in it where I didn't have anything to do. And this was the concert where I was wearing my Negative Land Christianity is Stupid t-shirt on stage. And there were some people in the audience who were really gunning for me for that. Because um, all the shirt says is Christianity is Stupid, give up. Uh, <laughs> which is which code, man. It's code. It. It, yeah. If, if you know, you know. But, but anyway, there's a point in the song where, where I don't have anything to do. And so I just decided uh, with no warning to just run off stage. So I just bolt stage right, and the rest of the band is like, what the fuck? Where did Brian go? <laughs> and I, I run around the back of the stage, jump back up on the other side of the stage, tear across, and barely make it to the keyboard to hit to hit my next downbeat. <laughs> and everyone in the audience cheered, because everyone was like watching. We could see the whole thing. We were like, why? Why? <laughs> concert with that band though, and this this was when it was naked lunchbox um we we opened at like earth day we were one of the bands like early in the afternoon at the big stage on earth day and we it was the biggest stage we played and ed god love ed he he was born to do this shit he was he he was committed and Ed's pants fell down in the middle of a song. <laughs> and he just, he's just a fucking rock star, and he just sold that shit. It was beautiful. I meant to do that. I meant to do that. Hey, hey. I, and there was the gig that you, I didn't see the first one, but Ed was nice enough to repeat it f- just for me because I was such a fan of it. But in the middle of one of your slow jams, he starts doing, um, uh, well, I, I can't remember the exact Public Enemy song, but it's bass, how low can you go? Death Row would have rather <laughs> yeah. know once again back to the... And he just starts doing it like, bass, how low can you go? It's like a, It was like a <laughs> forerunner to um, Richard Cheese. Nice. Yeah. Ed, Ed's, a, Ed's a brother, man. Um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a gem of a human being. And a scholar. And he had every Star Wars toy I've ever seen. He had a Y-Wing. Oh, this again? Y-Wing. Can we just fade out now? <laughs> yes. If, if you know Ed and you want to bitch about his Star Wars collection, you can email us at huge <laughs> at gmail.com. Yeah, or on the ground. Yeah, I, yeah. Tweet at, at MagHuge and tell us mm. something you know about Ed. Yeah. Or uh, look nope. us up on Instagram. We're magnificently yeah. huge. Or go to our website, maghuge.com, and uh, listen to some other shows. Yeah. Or uh, even go to our Facebook page. And uh, Toby, if you're out there, sorry you missed that show, buddy.
Thank you very much.